Shalom, and thank you for listening to sermons from Tikvat Israel, a Messianic synagogue in the heart of Richmond, Virginia. Listening to the podcast is great, but if you want the full experience, please join us on Zoom or in the building Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for our worship service. For the Zoom link, please contact tikvatdirector at gmail.com or contact us on our website, tikvatisrael.com. There you can also support the ministry, learn more about Messianic Judaism, and find helpful resources. May Hashem bless you through the hearing of his word. <clears throat> Beloved, you are a priest. You are a prophet. You are a shepherd. And you are a king. But only because the Lord is the high priest, the Lord is the prophet, like Moses, the Lord is the shepherd, or you could say the Lord is our shepherd, and the Lord is king. We are made in the image of God. However, on the other hand, we are made of dust. And he holds our very breath in his hands. And he animates me to say these very words that I'm saying to you. Between humility and the high calling to reflect the very character of God, we walk out our God-given purpose as priest, prophet, shepherd, and king. These are the main offices in the Hebrew Bible, and they are going to be the focus of this sermon, the focus of some following sermons after that, the focus of our theme for next year, and the focus for the vision in our community for this upcoming season. Are you excited? All right. How many of you got my video? You saw the video, all right. Okay, that's good. Um, remember, God put us in a garden, and that means he has asked us to garden our garden, right? Sometimes, what do you gotta do? You gotta pull out the weeds, right? Sometimes you gotta water, sometimes you gotta plant, sometimes you just gotta wait, right? Sometimes you have to serve. We partner with God for the flourishing of his good world. That is the, the, uh, uh, the charge that he gave to Adam and Eve, to all humans. So today begins a new sermon series, Priest, Prophet, Shepherd, and King. And this is part one, Gardening Our Strengths. Let's begin with the mission, vision, pillars, and values of our congregation. Do you know what they are? Raise your hand if you're vaguely familiar with these. Okay. All right. If you've been through the new members class, I should see all of your hands up. Okay. Thank you very much. <laughs> all right. So our vision is to bridge and restore relationship between Yeshua, the Jewish people, and the nations. Our mission is uh, more of the identity of who we are, is to build a congregation for Yeshua within the Richmond Jewish community. Our pillars are that we are a synagogue, this is Jewish space, Yeshua is central, and integrity with God and man. We've had that one for years. 
Um, a few years ago, uh, all the leaders got together and developed uh, the vision statement and these pillars that I'm going to share are, uh, and the values I'm going to share. Um, and they spell out hope, which is nice because that's what Tikvah means, right? Tikvah Israel, hope of Israel. So uh, it stands for help, outreach, purpose, and education. Um, and that is what we are all about. In addition to that, we have a seasonal theme for each year. Two years ago, do you remember what it was? The year 5781? Relational gospeling, yes. 1 Peter 3.15 was our theme verse. Instead, let's read it together. Instead, sanctify Messiah. It's not up there. Maybe you remember it. Instead, sanctify Messiah as Lord in your hearts. Always be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet with humility and reverence. Wow, you guys memorized it. So amazing. Oh, no, they put it up there. All right. You got me. Okay, but that's about sharing our faith in a, in a way that's relational uh, and not, you know, Bible thumping or something like that. Then we built on that this year with relational shalom, right? Coming together as a community regularly. We had uh, an event once a month, right? That was kind of like our small group. And our current theme verse for this year is first and that one, Thessalonians 5, verse 11. Therefore, let's read it together. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. I didn't really hear you guys. Are you all saying this with me? Let's do it again. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. All right. I have also talked to uh, our community members and leaders about another uh, vision that I have for our community, and it's called the birds. Raise your hand if you've heard of this, right? Not the things that fly around, but the thing that I'm talking about. No? Okay. Lots of, uh, lots of quizzical faces that look kind of like birds when I said that. Okay, but that's okay. It's, a, uh, it's an acronym. It stands for uh, be creative, integrate, raise up leaders, disciple, and simplify. Basically means that all the ministries that we do, everything we do here, uh, should have a healthy community to it, right? David Haller is not the only one who can lead worship. I'm not the only one who can uh, give sermons, right? We, uh, we are raising up others, we're integrating. We have musical worship and liturgical worship, but we want to integrate that because it's one worship service, right? It's not like the music is worship and uh, you know uh, Scott is up here just doing something else. Right? It's all worship, and we want to uh, integrate those things, work together, communicate, and, uh, and build healthy community. Does that make sense so far? Are you following me? So those are all the things that I've shared with this community um, over the years, um, and all of these ideas lead to healthy community. However, there is another theme that I think about and pray about often in my capacity as rabbi and shepherd that I talk about often with the other leaders and with the members of our community and with the new members. My sense is that in order for us to do all those things, in order for us to bridge and restore relationship 
between Yeshua, the Jewish people, and the nations. In order for us to build, help, outreach, purpose, and education, in order for us to relationally share the gospel, in order for us to build relational shalom and to have a healthy community, we need to do what? Walk in our God-given strengths. So the theme of next year is going to be gardening our strengths, which is also the subtitle of this sermon. Very convenient, right? It means we are learning to walk in our calling, our purpose, growing and serving in the community with healthy boundaries and humility. The theme verse for next year is the basis for what is often called fivefold ministry. Raise your hand if you've heard that term before. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. So it's based on Ephesians 4 verse 11 and 12. This is how it goes. Uh, furthermore, he gave some people as emissaries, often translated apostles, some as prophets, some as proclaimers of the good news. Uh, some versions say evangelists, but you know, I like gospelers better. Uh, some as shepherds, some Bibles say pastors, and teachers. Their task is to equip God's people for the work of service, avodah, right, that Scott was talking about, that builds the body of Messiah. Here they are listed as primary strengths. I've reworked them with my own brief definition, so let's take a look at it. The emissary apostolic strength is primarily about leadership. The prophetic strength is about visioning, exhorting, and encouraging. The evangelist or gospeling strength is about communicating the good news and interceding for those that are far from God. Shepherding and teaching strength is about nurturing, educating, and gardening people. So the question is, when Paul wrote the letter to the Ephesians, did he just pull these out of thin air, right? By no means, as Paul would say, okay? Paul was deeply rooted in the Tanakh, the Hebrew Bible. And here's where I think he got them, the offices that existed in the Older Testament. This is where I got the title of this sermon series, Priest, Prophet, Shepherd, and King. I have mapped these offices onto the Ephesians four strengths, the four or five-fold ministry that we just mentioned that Paul talks about, and you can discern for yourself if you think it matches. I think so, but uh, I'd love to hear from you. So first, let's look at the Hebrew office of priest. I spoke about the priesthood from the Bema a couple times, once back in February, but here's a summary. The priest, think about what the priest does, right? They go in, and they make sacrifices for the people. They represent the people to God, and they represent God to the people. In other words, another way to say it is, when God looks at the priest, he sees his son, right? He sees Israel, okay? When the people look at the priest, what are they supposed to see? The face of God, right? The priest mediates between God and the rest of humanity, right? Israel as a whole, the Jewish people, are to be a priest to the nations. The scriptures say that Israel is a kingdom of priests, right? And there's kingdom in there, king, 
you know, royal priesthood, right? So we'll, we'll get to that later. And, uh, and the new covenant expands this uh, to all followers of, of Yeshua in 1 Peter. It says that you are a kingdom of priests, just like Israel is as well. And hence, that is why we are all priests, in a sense. A priest mediates blessing and ministers the atonement and forgiveness of God. Think of the Gospels. Yeshua is going around ministering forgiveness, and some of the scribes and Pharisees are kind of like shocked, right? Who is this who can forgive sins? Only God can forgive sins, right? And only a priest can minister forgiveness. We who believe that the priesthood and divinity of Yeshua are firm in our minds would say, yes, exactly. Only God can forgive sins and only a priest can mediate. Okay. <laughs> I think I made my point. Uh, my sense is that the Hebrew Bible office of priest corresponds to the New Testament strength of Ephesians um, of uh, the gospeler, the evangelist. I used to think of a gospeler as someone who had a heart for those that were far from God and longed to draw them near. And I think that's true, but the priesthood of gospeling implies something else. What they're really doing is what Job longs for. This is from uh, Job in chapter 9. It says, for he, God, is not merely human like me. There is no answer that I could give him. If we were to come together in court, there is no arbitrator, no mediator between us who could lay his hand on both of us, right? One hand on God, one hand on, on Job to mediate them, to bring them together. Job longs for a priest who could connect him with God and advocate for him. In some ways, like a defense attorney in the heavenly court who can speak to the judge on behalf of the accused and then speak to the accused on behalf of the judge. A gospeler is not only communicating the good news of Messiah, but also they are praying and interceding. They are priesting, right? for those that are far from God and praying for the mediation of blessing. They're bringing the two together and then getting out of the way. So you are all priests. You are all gospelers because Yeshua is the ultimate high priest and gospeler and you are made in his image. And tomorrow you will be, God willing, more conformed to his image. Let's move on to the Older Testament office of prophet, which obviously corresponds to the prophetic strength in Ephesians. You agree with me there, right? Okay. The general thrust of the prophetic strength is threefold in my understanding. Uh, you could add to it uh, after, the, after the service, you can come and tell me one that I may have missed. One is exhortation. So the prophet says, in the in the scriptures hey you know you guys are uh, sacrificing your children to Molech you probably don't want to be doing that you need to come back to the Lord return which in Hebrew is teshuvah right shuvah turning back toward God 
So that's one thing that the prophetic strength does. It's an exhortation, but it should always be done in love and in the context of a trusting relationship. Let me say that again. The exhorting part of the prophetic strength should always be done in love and in the context of a trusting relationship. Okay, the second part of the prophetic strength is hope, encouragement. But those who hope in Adonai will renew their strength. They will soar aloft as with eagle's wings. When they are running, they won't grow weary. When they are walking, they won't get tired. Isaiah 40, verse 31. The third part of the prophetic strength is visioning the future preparing God's people for what God is going to do. In this sense, Noah was kind of a prophet, right? Uh, I think uh, we need to build this boat. It's, it's, it's gonna, I know this hasn't happened yet on the face of the earth, but I think water is going to come and, uh, you know, this is what we need to do. So visioning, preparing. The third part is expressed, I think, well in Amos 3, verse 7. Adonai, God, does nothing without revealing his plan to his servants, the prophets. He lets his people know. The key to the prophetic strength is, surprise, anyone know what it is? Humility. It's really the key to all of them, but especially this one. This strength can lead to a couple pitfalls, pride, Judgment and idolatry. Those are, those are big no-nos, okay? It leads to pride sometimes because the person says, well, I'm a prophet. I hear directly from God, okay? Don't go there. Judgment, because a prophetically strong person may get a sense, whether it's true or not, that another person needs to repent. Right? Because they're, they're giving the exhortation, right? And that can cause them to judge that other person or think that they're above them. I know your sin, right? And idolatry, because they can put their, their prophecy, what they've received, ahead of the Lord himself. Anything more important to you than God, that's an idol. We all have them, we're all getting rid of them, we're all weeding our gardens, I get it. But this is, this is the, the, the pitfall with this strength. The prophetically strong person has to be able to walk in humility and not say, God told me this or God told me that, right? It's a very important strength in the body of Messiah, but it's prone to these pitfalls and I would love to spare you of that. My sense is also that the prophetic strength is often on the margins. Ezekiel, Isaiah, Jeremiah, are these guys uh, Mr. Popular? No, no they weren't. Even Yeshua himself was not always accepted because the prophetic message is sometimes hard to digest even if you deliver it in love, which you should. Messianic Judaism is in my view a prophetic movement the movement as a whole is prophetic, which means that we're on the margins of two major world religions, Judaism and Christianity. And that makes us 
Awkward. Messianic Jews are awkward. Messianic Gentiles are awkward. In some ways, I feel very comfortable around my people, the Jewish people. In other ways, I'm always aware that I cling to Messiah, and there's a distance, there's a weirdness there. My advice? Embrace the awkward. If we are marginal, we identify with the Messiah who blessed from the margins, the sidelines. And who did he re reach out to anyway? He reached out to the poor, the widows, the prostitutes, the tax collectors, the downtrodden. This is the nature of prophetic movements. As David did, King David, he encouraged himself in the Lord. I encourage you to encourage yourself so you can prophetically encourage others because God is with you. God is with you. Even the word awkward is awkward itself, right? It's got, it's got those two W's, right? It's got the W and the K and the W. That could be awkward, but we could also think of it as embracing itself, right? The word awkward is embracing the awkward with the two W's. I don't know. I thought it was neat. You are all able to operate prophetically because Yeshua is the prophet the encouragement, the exhortation, the wisdom of God, and you are made in his image. And tomorrow, with God's help, you will be more conformed to his image. Next, we come to the Hebrew Bible Office of Shepherd, which of course, corresponds to shepherd or pastor in Ephesians 4. This is a nurturing strength, a gardener of people, a heart to see others thrive and fulfill their calling, seeing them walk with God, seeing them conform to the image of Yeshua over time. This is my primary strength, and it's the case for most pastors and rabbis. These individuals are marked by compassion, kindness, empathy, and encouragement to others. Spiritual mothering and spiritual fathering requires a shepherd's heart. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. It was the heart of a shepherd that inspired Corrie ten Boom and her Christian family to shelter and protect Jews from the Holocaust and then go to the death camps in their stead. All the Jews that they protected were saved. But she and her family all went to the death camps. That's the heart of a shepherd. It's the heart of a shepherd that inspires parents to make self-sacrifices for their children, like mine did for me growing up. My wife is currently not getting a lot of sleep right now. She's in the other room, she can attest to that. But I've not heard her complain once about it. What I have heard her say is, I want to make sure that our son is getting enough sleep. You are all shepherds because he is the shepherd and you're made in his image and tomorrow Bezrat Hashem you will be more like a shepherd Yeshua did not think of his own comfort on the tree which is commonly called the cross that is he thought of you he put you ahead of himself 
your need for rescuing from sin and death. Hebrews 12, verse 2, puts it like this. Let us run with endurance the race set before us, focusing on Yeshua, the initiator and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Interesting, right? You wouldn't normally put those two together. Disregarding its shame. And he has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Related to this strength in the Greek is teacher, which is uh, together in the Greek in Ephesians 4. It says shepherds and teachers. A teacher can easily communicate and relate complex ideas or make the Torah make sense for the people as uh, Ezra, the scribe, did. Um, in Hebrew, teacher is rabbi. So the full title of this sermon has teacher in it. I did put all five in there because the official title is this, priest, prophet, shepherd, and king, gardening our strengths by Rabbi David Wine. <laughs> See, it's in there. And this brings us to king, which I believe corresponds to the apostolic strength in Ephesians. This is a leadership strength, the ability to cast vision, to inspire others to follow, to organize people, to oversee, to manage, to remain calm and be the non-anxious presence to inspire shalom in others. God made Adam and Eve kings, co-regents under his kingship. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let them rule over the fish of the sea over the flying creatures of the sky, over the livestock, over the whole earth, over every crawling creature that crawls on the land. God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. We're kings. But we're not to be tyrants. We're to be compassionate kings, shepherd kings, servant leaders. Yeshua explains it like this. There was a quarrel among them about which of them is considered the greatest. And Yeshua said to them, the kings, the apostles, the leaders of the nations have mastery over them, and those exercising authority over them are called benefactors, but with you it is not so. Rather, let the one who is greatest among you become like the youngest, like the least. And the one who leads like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who reclines or the one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines? But I am among you as one who serves. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. And Yeshua was king and is king. You are, all of you, servant kings. Because Yeshua is the servant king and you are made in his image and you are being conformed to his image over time. Bezrat Hashem. So we have covered all the strengths. Priest, prophet, what are the other two? Shepherd and king, just seeing if you're still with me. Or as my paraphrase of the Ephesian strengths puts it, the gospeling strength, the prophetic strength, the shepherding and teaching strength, and the apostolic leadership strength. Three years ago, I started collecting data uh, from a book called Living Your Strengths, sometimes called Strengths Finders. 
And uh, there's a test in the back of the book, and uh, I like it when people take that test online and then come in and share with me what their strengths are. I love talking with people about it, and uh, we sell it here in the bookstore. Here's what it looks like, living your strengths. And uh, the value of the book, you have to get it, make sure you get a new one, because in the back there's a code, and you go online and you take a test, and you can use that and it'll tell you your top five strengths. Uh, and then you don't have to read the whole book, you can just read those chapters that are about your strengths. So if you don't like to read that much, you're, you're, you're in luck, okay, all right. Um, but it's, it's research-based, they've done a lot of research, but it's also, it, it lines up with the scriptures. All of our leaders have taken the strengths test, and uh, many of our members, raise your hand if you've taken uh, strengths finders. All right, raise your, keep your hand raised if you've gotten coffee with me and we've talked about it. All right, very cool. Um, so uh, I would love to do that with you. Um, I love collecting people's strengths and talking with them about it, and I would be happy to do that with you if I haven't already. Um, my top five, do you want to know what my top five strengths are? There's 34. Developer, which is like a gardener of people. Positivity, which is uh, joy and humor. Eric has that. Um, communication, which is about explaining complex ideas in a helpful way. Connectedness, which is about seeing how all people are connected and how God is behind things. It's kind of like uh, also has an element of faith and trust in God. And uh, my fifth one is learner, which is about enjoying the process of growing and learning from my successes and from my mistakes. Here's a picture of my top 10 strengths. Um, and uh, you can see one through 10 there, but look at, let's look at one through five, because those, those are the primary ones that I operate in, okay? And uh, you notice that StrengthsFinders has developed four categories that they have determined that uh, to, um, to group the strengths in, in, in different ways. So all 34 strengths have a different category. You wanna know what those are? What do you think they correspond to? Yeah, yeah. Executing, influencing, relationship building, and strategic thinking. I was thinking about this one day and praying about it because I love the StrengthsFinders test and I was like, you know, that kind of maps onto the Ephesians 4 strengths. It maps onto four and five-fold ministry pretty well. Influencing, well, let's start with executing. What is that? That's uh, getting things done, get her done, right? Management, leadership. Influencing is marketing and voice and communication. Relationship building is the glue that holds a group together. And strategic thinking is visioning how things could be better. I was thinking and, and praying about these, and uh, as I said, and I think they map on to the Ephesian strength and of course the offices in the Tanakh. Notice first that three of my top five, one, two, and four, are in relationship building. Why is that? Because that's my primary strength, 
Which office is that? It's shepherd. God made me to be a shepherd. So three of my top five are in that area. Does that make sense? I think that executing is apostolic. It's leadership. That's the king. Influencing is gospeling. If you can communicate in a, in a winsome way, right? Uh, per, be, be persuasive, not in a, um, uh, a false way, but persuasive in a, in a truth way, right? That's a gospeler, that's a priest. Relationship building, that's a shepherd and a teacher, right? Look at, look at those strengths there. And then strategic thinking, that's a prophet, right? That's visioning, seeing how things could be better. Encouragement. So here's a summary chart of the offices in the Hebrew Bible, the strengths categories from strengths finders and the Ephesian strengths. Let's bring it all together, shall we? Okay. Hebrew Bible, you got priests, which is influencing, gospeling, and the description is interceding for those that are far from God and communicating the good news. Then you have the prophet, which in strengths finders is strategic thinking, the prophetic gift, exhortation, encouragement, and visioning the future. Shepherd is relationship building, which corresponds in Ephesians to shepherd and teacher, nurturing, gardening, people, and education, right? What did Yeshua say to Peter? If you love me, feed my sheep, nurture them, take care of them, be a shepherd. The king executes, not people, right, but gets things done, okay? <laughs> right? Uh, it's an apostolic, it's a leadership strength. Leadership, getting things done, management, organizing people. What I found with the strengths test is that those who have a cluster of strengths in a particular category almost always have that Ephesian strength as well. In fact, I can't think of a time when it didn't correspond. So when I meet with you, I can encourage you in your strengths, but I can also point you toward the Ephesians 4 strength that I believe God has put in you. My strengths are clustered in the relationship category, and I am called to be a shepherd. It, it kind of lines up. Now I've said that you are all of these, and that is true in a sense. That is so that you don't think of them as titles. You know, when I say evangelist, that's uh, the common word for gospel, right? It, it, makes, it makes you think of perhaps a, a, a slick-haired huckster on TV, right, asking for money. But that's, that's not what a gospeler is. That's not what a real evangelist is. It's a role of communication and intercession. But just because it's not my primary strength doesn't mean I'm off the hook, right? If someone comes up to me and say, says, what must I do to be saved? I can't go, well, um, I'm not really a gospeler. I'm not an evangelist. Uh, you got to go listen to this guy on TV with the slick hair. You know, I can't do that. We are all called to give a reason for the hope that is within us with reverence and humility. Likewise, a title or an ordination of pastor or rabbi is not necessary to be a shepherd. I was a, a shepherd before I was ordained, right? It's more of an affirmation of that, okay? 
Also, we can all operate in the prophetic to some degree, and we are all kings of something. We can dabble, right? You're not limited. Uh, and they, they flow together. You are a leader in some way, even if it just means you're a king of your own finances, or you're a king of your pets, right? Isn't that the, what it says in Genesis? He's made you to rule over those cats in your house, Eric. You gotta get on them, right? They're, they're all over the place, okay? <laughs> get your house in order. Or, or it means leading your family, or leading your children. We're all leading something, right? On the other hand, Ephesians indicates that he has given all of us a certain special measure of one over the others. Most of us are not equally strong in all of the strengths. That's why we need each other, right? We're not all good at the same thing. That's the body of Messiah. Makes sense. That's a family, right? That's a marriage, right? I'm not good at the same things my wife is. Baruch Hashem. Sometimes we wish the other person was more like us, but we don't really wish that because that would be bad. And those things that are different first attract us, then annoy us, and then eventually we learn to respect it. That's another sermon. I don't know how I got off on that. <laughs> Teamwork makes the dream work. Okay. Um, most folks have a primary and then sometimes secondary or tertiary strength. In other words, for example, some folks are just naturally good at sharing and communicating. Even though we all should do that, some folks are particularly strong in that. Some folks are particularly good at being nurturing and pastoral, even though we all should be to some extent, right? We all should be kind and encouraging, but some folks, you know, I know you're thinking of somebody right now, they're very strong in that. It's a very nurturing person, right, in your life. Baruch Hashem for them. And uh, they can blend together. A shepherd can leverage a shepherding strength to share the gospel. They can walk, they can use their strength to leverage the other ones. I have a Torah study with Jewish men every Sunday, some of whom are Messianic Jews, recently accepted Yeshua, some of whom are not yet followers of Yeshua. And I'm able to share from the gospel, I share from the Torah. They, they want to read the New Testament, they're excited about that, but um, share from the Torah, teach that, um, and, and that's what God has set up for me to do. And it enables me to do my relational gospeling. But I don't just want that for me. I want that for all of us. Right? Right? Because that's the ball game. Again, the key ingredient to all of them is humility. It's the secret sauce. Gospelers have a big heart for those that are lost. And it's so big sometimes they don't see where they end and others begin. Or worse, they don't see where they end and God begins. The humility of boundaries helps gospelers to be effective. Likewise, a shepherd often has a huge heart to want to help someone. The humility of boundaries is helpful, right? You want to give all your time all your energy to help that person. But sometimes that's enabling. It takes humility 
and the application of humility to say, I want to help that person, I see their need, but it's, it's beyond my limit. I'm limited, because I'm human. God isn't limited. He could send somebody else. He can restore that person. He might partner with me. He might call me to do something, bring them a sandwich, but I, I can only do so much. So I have to be humble. Likewise, with the apostolic, what is that? Leadership. With leadership comes authority. Authority can lead to pride. I mean, just read the Hebrew Bible, right? I'm the king, it's good to be the king. <laughs> Kings need to remember that they are servants and that God is the true king. We are co-regents, we serve under him. We've already talked about humility protects the prophetic strength and enables it to operate in a healthy way. Beloved, we are made in the image of God and we are made of dust. As I said at the beginning of the sermon, we must walk between these two tensions and guard in our strengths. So what can we do with all this information? Right? So what? You should be asking. Okay? So, or in Yiddish we'd say, so new? Right? Here are my encouragements. Number one, understand that in some ways you are all of these. You are a priest, prophet, shepherd, and king, and yet you can only do this because God enables you to. So serve in these strengths with humility. Number two, ask God to show you your primary strength and maybe a second. And we could talk about your strengths. Now, I may be a bit behind in this, uh, and there are some folks who I've meant to meet with and I haven't been able to because, you know, I'm, I'm gardening a small person at home. I got a lot going on, but I intend to get with you soon. Have, uh, have grace and we'll, we'll make it happen, okay? I'm sorry <laughs> if I've fallen short in that area. But my heart is to come alongside you in your garden, help you get the weeds out, so you can guard in your strengths. Number four, find ways to practice your strengths here at Tikvot and everywhere else. Look for ministry opportunities that fit you, right? Guard in your strengths by practice, right? Try it out. Join the worship team, right? Join, walk in the, those gifts, right? But it doesn't just have to be here at Tikvot. Right? You're connected to a lot of things. And, th and that connects to number five. Think about your strengths in all the spheres of your life. If you have a prophetic strength, how does God want you to apply that here at Tikvot, but also in your own home or in your workplace, in the teams that you're on? Right? If you're married, that's a team. God's given you strengths to bless your spouse that they don't have. Okay. Um, your children are going to have different strengths than you. How can you bless them, right? How does this, knowing this, direct your vocation, your job? Maybe you're thinking about getting a different job, or different employment, right? Knowing your strengths can be helpful. If you're a shepherd, maybe a, a teacher, a teaching job is good for you, right? A lot of, a lot of elementary school teachers are, are shepherds. That's, that's what I did before I did this because it's, it's, this, it's the same thing, right? 
except I'm not teaching kindergartners, I'm teaching mature, uh, mature adults. But we're all kindergartners, right, <laughs> in a sense, myself included. Uh, we are his sheep, okay? But just understanding that, it helps you walk in your calling and the purpose that God has for you, not only here in the congregation, but everywhere, in all those spheres, and especially as we look outward toward the Jewish community and toward the church of the city, right? That's our vision. How are we serving the Jewish community? How are we serving the church of the city? How are we serving the poor? Are we, if we're a shepherd, are we shepherding them in humility? I think, I think we could move in that direction. I think we all as an individual, as individuals can move in that direction to turn outward and think, how can I serve that person in my strengths? And I think as a community, we have a lot of growing to do there too. My sense for Tikvat Israel is this. If we're operating in our strengths and gardening our gifts, if the gospelers are gospeling and the shepherds are shepherding, etc., that's the ball game. That's healthy community. That's Jewish people coming to know Mashiach. That's folks getting healed and restored. That's the church of the nations understanding the Jewish roots of their faith that the church does not replace Israel. That's relational gospeling. That's relational shalom. That's the kingdom of heaven right here in this place. So who's with me? Who wants to garden their strengths for the sake of the kingdom? All right. Sorry that was a little long, but I had a lot to say. My wife suggested that, you know, it is a sermon series, maybe you could break it up, but I was like, ah, I want to say all of it. So I'm sorry if it was too much. Um, Avinu, our Father, we thank you that uh, you're faithful to us. Thank you that we are made in your image. You are our shepherd, you are our king, you are our father. Every aspect of our identity comes from you. I can only be a father because you are my father. I can only be a rabbi because you are the rabbi. I can only be a shepherd because you are the shepherd. All of us draw our identity, our name from you. And you give good gifts, good strengths to your children to partner with you. We are so honored that you've asked us to do tikkun olam, to repair this world, to set our, our hands to the plow and to bless and to serve. Help us to see where you're calling us to do that. Help us to see where you're calling us not to do that, where someone else maybe should do that, or where we can delegate. Help us to apply and serve and work in humility and affirm our identity as priest, prophet, shepherd, and king in the name of Yeshua who is all of those things. Amen.